If you have your Bibles, which you're all home, so I hope you do, or your application, whatever it is, I want you to open up to the book of Jonah. We're going to be looking at chapter 4. We're going to be talking about God's compassion today. And we always talk, we always think about God's love and God's compassion and His mercy. Um, but I specifically thought about this uh, because of the season of life that we're in. One of the things in my life that was really defining for me was when I finished college and I really didn't know what I was called to do at that point. And it was a really hard time because I wanted to know God's will. I wanted to do God's will. Um, but it seemed a lot of the things that I was pursuing, the doors were closing. And I always thought about that being uh, God's judgment on me, maybe. Or maybe I just thought maybe I was doing something wrong. Um, but little did I know that God was preparing me. He was showing compassion to me in a way that was saying, no, this is not the thing that I want you to do in your life. Like, I want you to go this way. And so while something was not going my way, I was reminded that the Lord had other good plans for me. And sometimes we miss out on that. And so I wanted to look at, at the book of Jonah. I think there's a lot of things that we can learn um, from this passage. And uh, to kind of get us up to speed, we're going to be looking at Jonah 4, verses 5 through 11. And I just want to kind of, to, to, let me pray for us. How about that? Let me pray, and then we'll uh, dive into the text. God, I thank you so much for this day. I thank you so much for the opportunity to preach your word. I pray that um, these people would not hear my words, but they would hear um, you, and they would hear your love, and they would um, respect you, and that they would fear you. God, be with us as we look for your will and as we look for you during this, tar this, this tough time. And I just pray that you just bless this service. In Jesus' name, amen. And so I wanted to kind of just give you a, a, a testimony of Jonah up until this point in the chapter. Uh, God has commanded Jonah to go to the city of Nineveh to preach. A very, very straightforward command. And Jonah runs away from what God tells him to do. He tries to get on a ship and he tries to sail off to Tarshish. And in that, God gets a hold of him by tossing him to and fro in a storm, and he is risking his life, um, and not only his life, but also the people who are on the boat. And so Jonah, in desperation, jumps out of the boat to save these men's lives, but also, in a way, to end his. But God shows mercy on Jonah, and he sends a big fish to swallow him up. After some time there, you get into chapter 2, and Jonah repents and he spat back up on dry land to receive, in chapter 3, a call again to go and to preach to Nineveh. And if you see that transition from 3 to the end of 3, the beginning to then, that Jonah really doesn't have time to prepare, prepare, and his message is simple, repent. And to his surprise, the people repent. But instead of rejoicing, he becomes bitter and he becomes angry. And there's a lot of tension between Jonah and the Ninevites. They are lesser. They are, uh, they are not his people. They're, they are um, garbage to him. Um, they are not deserving of God's mercy. And so here we are starting in verse 5, and I want us to read this text um, 5 through 11. It says this, Jonah went out of the city and sat in the east of the city and made a booth for himself there. 
He sat under it in the shade till he should see what would become of the city. Now the Lord God appointed a plant and made it come over Jonah, that it might be a shade over his head to save him from his discomfort. So Jonah was exceedingly glad because of the plant. But when dawn came up the next day, God appointed a worm that attacked the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God appointed a scorching east wind, and the sun beat down on the head of Jonah so that he was faint. And he asked that he might die and said, It is better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, Do you do well to be angry for the plant? And he said, Yes, I do well to be angry, angry enough to die. And the Lord said, You pity the plant for which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow, which came into a night and perished in a night. And should I not pity Nineveh, that great city, in which there are a 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left, and also much cattle? And like I said, Jonah is upset because God has caused these people to repent. He is upset that God would forgive these foreigners who have lived their lives against God, or just living for themselves. Jonah cannot look at how God has forgiven their sin, as he did when God forgave his sin just a few chapters ago when he was disobedient. And this should be good news that the people have repented. It should be very good news. James 5, 19 and 20 says this, My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. But this is the only instance, this is not the only instance in the Bible where you see someone is mad that a certain person or a certain people repent. If you remember um, one of the parables in Luke 15, the parable of the um, prodigal son, the prodigal son runs off and uh, when he repents and comes back, his, his dad immediately forgives him and they throw him a party. And if you remember the testimony of his older brother, it says this in Luke 15, 28 through 30. It says, and this is the older brother, but he was angry and refused to go into the party. His father came out and entreated him, but he answered his father, Look, these many years I have served you, and I never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed a fattened calf for him. In that parable, the older brother is so focused on what he has done right that he has missed that his brother has repented of his sins and that he's been forgiven. And he also forgets that, that he also has sin that has been forgiven. And so I want to ask you one question. Is why is it so easy to consider your sin as more forgivable than other people's sins? Think about that. And write, write comments, write, write, answer that question in the, in the message, in the chat. Why is it so easy to consider your sins as more forgivable than other people's sins? We seem to hold other people to a higher standard than what we do ourselves sometimes. Two of my uh, old youth, Drake and Daniel, I love them. Drake is 22 and Daniel is graduating from high school this year. And they both had very different um, 
ways of being brought up. Drake was very much disciplined growing up, and he's a great, great kid. He's a great young man. I'm very proud of him and what he's doing with his life. And Daniel is also great. But Daniel is a wild um, youngin, and he, he does things differently from Drake. And Drake was telling me this story one time of how Daniel had done something really dumb. And he was waiting for his dad to come home, and he was going to get a butt whooping. And he heard his dad, and he came in there, and he was waiting to hear him get his butt whooping. And all of a sudden, he didn't hear anything. And he's like, why isn't Daniel being disciplined? And the way that his dad handled it was much different than what he had handled that with Drake. He had talked with them. He had reasoned with them. And he was punished, but he wasn't spanked the way uh, Drake was. And Drake was kind of upset about that. He was upset that his dad would discipline um, and show more compassion to Daniel than what he did Drake. It was a different type of punishment. And I want you to understand this, church, that example, is that sometimes we think that we know better. But I'm here to tell you something. God knows better than you do. And we cannot allow our selfish agenda to control the Lord's plans for our lives and for others. God has a plan. And it is not up to us for people to repent. It is up to us to deliver the message and to allow God to work from that point. The second thing I want us to see, God's lesson of mercy. We see that in verses 6 through 9, God's lesson of mercy. When the plant grew, it offered shade to Jonah. And if you go back and study the text, this is the first time that you ever hear a positive response from Jonah. He says that he was exceedingly glad. And it's so cool because God acted quickly. And that's my favorite type of ministry is the one that you immediately see the results of your work. Getting to see the fruit from ministry instantly is rare. But it does happen sometimes. But God is trying to prove a lesson to Jonah. God allows the plant to grow and to bloom, and it provides shade for Jonah. And so he benefited from the work of God, and so he was in a good mood. It was good. However, God also destroyed the plant by sending a worm. And, and, also, and that was almost instant as well. And so... God grows a plant to offer shade to Jonah, and then just as quickly as he created it, God destroys it so it cannot offer shade to Jonah where he can benefit from it anymore. In the work, um, in the work um, there, Jonah didn't do anything. He didn't water the plant. He didn't do anything. He just benefited from it. So it's also funny that he complains so much during that, that period in this passage as well, that he wants to die. A little dramatic, but... I'm sure I've been the same way at times. But he, don't miss this, church, that Jonah's joy was driven by circumstances. When things were going his way, things were great, awesome, praise God. But when things were not going his way, he was filled with bitterness. And he was being, he was just, he was angry. In that same way, he was being angry that God would forgive these people. He's being judgmental because he thought that these people deserved more of a punishment. He thought that, they didn't, that, he thought that the people did not deserve God's mercy. James 2, 13 says this, For judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. 
And so I want to ask you something regarding our circumstances, church. Does your joy in the Lord come from your circumstances? I think we have to be careful with that because sometimes it can be conditional. And I don't think that joy is conditional. And the second part of that I want to ask you is this. What is something that God has taught you during this season of solitude? For me personally, it has taught me that I don't, I don't have to have people around me to be content. And that a lot of the excuses I made for time are just that excuses. I have so much time on my hands now, and I'm still not getting the right things done in the right amount of time. And so that is not a time problem. That is a priority problem. And I've been very convicted of that. Does your joy being determined by your circumstances? One of my old youth back at home, Alexandria Bobbitt was her name, but we called her Bobbitt. She got married March... 14th or 15th, this was kind of the day that things really started to get serious with the coronavirus and things um, shut down. But she was scheduled to be married. Um, she met this guy at Mizzou, and he's a good Christian man, called to ministry, and they were called to get married that day. And with the coronavirus happening, it, it put a damper on their plans. However, they made the decision to still get married, and I saw videos and I saw pictures and I'm telling you, the joy exuberating from these pictures is awesome. You would have thought that the room was full, that they were being celebrated with thousands of people, but it was just them and their, and their immediate family. And it was such a cool thing that they did not allow something to, to steer away uh, their joy from their special day. Um, that they saw the mercies of God in that season rather than to say, oh, well, God isn't good. And so from that, one thing that I've learned and one thing we can learn about Jonah as far as our circumstances is that God is constantly good. And how we can always look at a situation as bad, we also need to understand that God is showing us tender mercy every day to you and to those around you. Sometimes it's going to benefit you, and you will receive a blessing from that. And there's going to be times where it doesn't benefit you at all. And if anything, it might seem that it's unfair or that it hurts you. But we cannot think about ourselves when it comes to those mercies. God has mercies for everybody. We must consider that. The last thing I want us to look at, church, is that God's compassion. God's compassion we see that in verses 10 through 11. God wants Jonah to understand that he did not do the work to grow the plant. That was a blessing from God. God is the one who works in the heart and draws people to himself. Jonah did not cause the people to repent with his almost one-sentence sermon. That was a work from God. They decided to submit themselves to God's authority. And Jonah was simply the messenger. Not something I have to tell myself, church, is that in ministry, after I have to remember that I don't save people. We as ministers do not save people. Uh, when we share the gospel, we are not saving people. 
But that is God. That is the work of the Holy Spirit. And because of that, he can use you. He can use a minister. He can use anybody to share hope. We're just the messengers. It's not up for us. It's not up to us to make sure that people accept that. That's between them and God. God asked Jonah, should he not have shown compassion to, to Nineveh? In the same way that he showed compassion to Nineveh, the way that Jonah showed compassion to this plant. However, with the plant, Jonah had something to benefit from. Jonah had more compassion. Think about this. Jonah had more compassion on the plant because it had something to offer him. But God has compassion on his people because he is full of love and grace and mercy. And the people of Nineveh just didn't know any better. And he says that in verse 11. And we also see that um, in one of the things that, of the Gospels in Luke 23, 34, when Jesus is being crucified. And it's a very hard read. But Jesus says this. He says, and Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And in that same way, church, God understands that Nineveh doesn't understand unless they hear a message from God. And that's exactly what Jonah brought them. And so I ask you my final question, because we're called to remember the good things of God. How has God shown you great compassion? How has he shown you great compassion? When I was in middle school, before I was a believer, I had gotten in trouble in the hallway from my teacher, Miss Baker. And I did not receive being punished well. And so I proceeded to get a pen and I was writing a letter to somebody and I wrote very ugly things about this teacher in this letter. And three days passed from the day that I gave the letter to my friend. Three days had passed. Someone found the letter and told on me, and I was supposed to get in a lot of trouble. And I'm not one who ever wants to get in trouble. Like, just the thought of getting in trouble in some way just makes me anxious. I don't want to let people down. I, don't want to, I didn't want to let my parents down. I don't want to have a reputation. But I remember that Miss Baker had this letter and I, we had talked and I was going to get in trouble. And in my math class that day, she had came out of her planning period and she pulled me out in the hallway. And she said, I know that you don't mean the words that you say. And so for that, we're only going to give you the minimum punishment, which was community service, which was okay. I didn't get written up. Nothing went on my record. But my teacher had shown me great compassion that I did not deserve because I was extremely ugly to her. And just like how we all have sin and how we all mess up, we all deserve a great punishment. But God has shown us great compassion to those who repent and desire to know Him as Lord and Savior Church. You must grow to be a people to have great compassion and mercy because God first showed it to you and has called you to show it 
to others. It is not a call to think less of yourself. It is a call to think of yourself less. There are two books of the Bible that end in the question mark. The book of Jonah, which God is questioning and he's saying, am I, am I not to show the city compassion? And so you see his great compassion. But you also see in Nahum, it also ends in a question mark. However, the theme is not compassion. The theme is wrath and judgment on the same people, Nineveh. And what it is, is that the people have, maybe the people in Jonah and Nineveh at that time period had repented and then a new generation had come in. And so in Nahum, you see a very different attitude of God. You see that judgment. You see that wrath. The book of Jonah helps us understand God's great compassion, but Nahum helps us to understand God's great judgment. And so I want to finally ask you, would you be someone who would receive God's compassion and mercy? Are you living a pleasing life to God? Or would you fall under the people in the book of Nineveh who would receive great judgment and wrath from God? If that's you, I want you to understand that God wants to show you great love and compassion, but you must first repent and give your heart to Jesus. We're going to have people who are online that you can um, ask for prayer. If you're not sure what it means to be saved, we would love nothing more than to walk you through the, the, the gospel to help you to understand that God loved you so much that he sent his son to die on the cross for every wicked thing you've ever done so that you could have a personal relationship with him. And because of that, you will be able to show great compassion and love and mercy to those who also need it and to share hope with them. Today is the day of salvation if you're not a believer. And if you want to know God, know this, that he wants to know you in an intimate life. Let me pray, and we're going to go into a short time of invitation. God, I thank you for my church. I thank you so much for their patience. And God, thank you so much for daily reminding us of your compassion towards us. We don't deserve your mercy, but you have gifted that to us. I pray that we would be good stewards of that. I pray for our seniors and our graduates. I pray that as they go through their lives that they would be reminded of your compassion, that you would show them mercy when they fail, and that you would deliver them from the evil one. We love you. We pray that you would change lives here and now. In Jesus' name, amen.